very thankful for this opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Um, very much appreciate the prayer that's been offered. We'd ask that each one of you pray for us when we, as we stand before you this morning just to, to make sure that uh, everyone in the parking lot is able to still hear us. Uh, just go ahead and blow your horn again if you're able to hear us this morning. So we got that confirmation. All right, we're still live radio. We'd ask uh, everyone if you'd just... Uh, be mindful of, of me this morning as we look into the, the word of the Lord. I, I need the prayers of, of those I love, and I appreciate uh, you going to the Lord and petitioning his blessings uh, on our behalf. Um, I stand in need of the Lord's help this morning. Uh, we had mentioned earlier in the service that uh, a few weeks ago we looked at a verse of scripture in Job chapter 22 and verse 21. I'd, I'd like to ask the congregation if you have your Bibles with you this morning to turn with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 13. The book of Zechariah, chapter 13. The verse of Scripture we mentioned several weeks ago, and we've repeated this verse of Scripture every Sunday now for the last several weeks, is in Job 22, 21, when Eliphaz the Temanite said, Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. By that we know, the more we know about the Lord, knowledge of him, the more peace we have in our lives. We've considered the Lord as the promised son. We've considered the Lord the substitutionary lamb. We've considered him the perfect servant of the father. We've considered the Lord the loving husband of the bride. If God would be our helper this morning, I'd like for us to consider the Lord Jesus Christ a friend like, like no other. In Zechariah chapter 13, beginning in verse 6, here in verse 6 and 7, we have a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may ask, how do you know, Brother Ronnie? Well, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31 tells us this is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. What are these wounds in your hands? Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, and this was the sword of wrath of the father that was against the one, the shepherd, the man that is the father's fellow. You know, someone that's a fellow is one of equal rank. You know, if we were in the military, you know, a colonel cannot look to a corporal and say, he's my fellow. No, they're not of equal rank. In order for one to be his fellow in the military, he had to be of equal rank. So this man, which is the man Christ Jesus, the eternal Son of God, manifested in perfect humanity, is of equal rank with the Father. The man that is my fellow. And notice, smite the shepherd, and Jesus quoted that, and the sheep was scattered, the apostles were scattered, the disciples were. But when this happened, these wounds in his hand and the sword being awake, because of this, the hand of the Father was turned on the, on the little ones. So a hand of wrath, now because Jesus is satisfied, the anger of the Father against sin, now it's, it's a hand of welcome and a hand of, of comfort, all because of Jesus. What are these wounds in your hands? These wounds are the wounds which I received in the house of my friends. I find that amazing. 
I find it amazing because the Bible says that we, by nature, are the enemies of God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 teaches us, in nature, by nature, we are the enemies to God. Everything that God is, we are the complete opposite by nature. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says the carnal mind, that's our mind, without the Lord. We're at enmity against God. Enmity means bitter hatred. We're God's enemies. And yet Jesus comes into the world and those who by nature are his enemies, he was wounded in the house of his friends because of grace, because of his love, were, were called his, his friend. Now for him to call us his friend, he has to be our friend, right? How could he call us his friend if he's not our friend? He is, is our friend. There's a verse of scripture found in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 that's touched my heart many times. And I think it's talking about the Lord. I think it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ in specific. Solomon writes, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. And if we're going to have friends, we'll have to show ourselves friendly. Have you ever met someone in this world that just was, was not friendly? Some people are just not friendly. I'll be honest with you, I spent most of my young life, I was known as not being a, a friendly person. I can recall several conversations I've had with you, some my wife has had with you, to tell you when I was younger, and it happened all the way up in the time I met Jennifer, I, I didn't talk much. And someone doesn't believe it, they said, I don't believe that. Brother Ronnie, not talking much. Well, I didn't, I didn't talk much. Well, maybe I didn't have anything to say. And the Lord's given me something to say now. That may be why I talk more. And uh, what better thing could we talk about than the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ? But this verse of Scripture says, He that hath friends must, must, it's necessity, must show himself friendly. And then Solomon said, There is a friend. Notice, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I think Solomon's talking about this friend that came into the world who's wounded in the house of his friends. And praise God, he is a friend like no other. We sing hymns this morning about our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to confess to you, I've got a lot of acquaintances in this world. I've met a lot of people. I mean, I've had years where I would preach in 15 and 16 states. And I'd meet a lot of people, and some of them would come to me later and say, Hey, do you remember me? I said, no, but I know we probably met it at some, some point. Uh, Brother Chris and Sister Jessica are here with us this morning. And their pastor that was down in Georgia, he called me uh, over a month ago. And he said, Brother Ronnie, you probably don't remember me, but I was in a service once when you preached. And he was just a young teenager. And I asked him, I said, how old are you now? And he's in his 30s. I thought, wow, that was a long time ago. And, uh, and I thought, I am really getting older. And I am 51 years old. And I met him many years ago. I've met a lot of people. But you know, when you consider the subject of friend, it's more than just having an acquaintance. Now, I have people in this world I, I call my friend. And it's more than just someone I've met. And I'll tell you, the Brother Chris, Sister Jessica's pastor down in Georgia, I believe he's my friend. Uh, he and I spent more time with each other on the telephone. And I was kind of reacquainted with, with him. But just because someone is your acquaintance, that doesn't mean they're, they're your friend. You know, that word friend, we kind of throw it around real loosely, don't we? Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I've got people that are my friend, but 
when it comes to someone that's my close friend, that may be a little different. Someone that's my close friend is going to have to meet some, some qualifications to be my close friend. Someone that I'm going to have a lot of confidence in. And you know, the word confidence, some people equate that with forgiveness. Forgiveness and confidence are not the same. You know, we should forgive one another simply because we're forgiven in Christ Jesus. You know, we should not hold grudges against one another. But that does not mean we have to have confidence in a person. Someone that's my close friend. Not only are they my acquaintance, not only are they just my friend, but there's someone I've got confidence in. Someone that I, I enjoy being around and spending time with. You know, this week I meditate upon this, this friend, friend, and I thought about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a friend like no other. I, and I will promise you, you've never had a friend in this world like Christ Jesus. He's the greatest of all. He meets all the qualifications of a great friend. And I thought to myself, what would be the qualifications of someone that I would call a, a good, just a great, great friend? First thing I thought about is if someone is a really, really good friend, he'd have to be someone that, uh, that I could depend on. Someone that wouldn't forget about me in my time of need. Someone that wouldn't forsake me just because something seemingly better come along that day. I had a first cousin, of course, he's passed home and been and gone home with the Lord. His, his name is Kevin, Kevin Hilton. He is my daddy's sister's son. Kevin and I, we spent a lot of time with each other. We used to fish a lot on Lake Hartwell and Lake Lanier. And uh, Kevin, when he was uh, a teenager, he was uh, in an accident. It was a car that uh, was being driven by a person under the influence of alcohol. They went off the road, and Kevin was on a four-wheeler off the road and they ran off the road and they, they, they hit Kevin and he, he lost one of his legs in that accident and the other leg he was, he was paralyzed he never really got full function of that leg and, uh, and Kevin and I that, that didn't change our friendship we were still you know, just, just close close to one another I love Kevin and uh, I believe Kevin loved me I actually was asked to speak at, at Kevin's funeral service when he when he died, he was in his 30s when he died, and of course it was, it was really just an overdose of pain medication uh, because of the pain he, he suffered in his pelvis from the accident. But I remember a particular time when Kevin and I were going to go fishing, and we were getting up real early in the morning, you know, like 4.30 in the morning, and going to, to Lake Hartwell. We was, was going over there and was, was catching uh, largemouth on, on top water up the river there uh, above 123 Bridge. And, and I got up early and had the boat all hitched up there under Daddy's barn, and I was ready to go, and, and I went and sat in my truck, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Now, I didn't have a cell phone back then. Sun come up, and I was still waiting. And I finally just thought, you know, Kevin, he's, he forgot about me. And what had happened is Kevin had stayed up too late that night doing something with some of his other friends, and he just, just forgot about me. And I'm going to be honest, that, that hurt. It hurt me. Now, we got over it quick. You know why? Because we were cousins. I love Kevin. Kevin loved me. And you know, about two days passed. We went fishing again. And, uh, and on that particular day, Kevin was very hot-natured. I, I made sure he stayed out in the sun all day just to pay him back for making me wait that long. <laughs> but I remember that, that hurt. That hurt because Kevin forgot about me. And people in this world sometimes will... Well, forget about you, right? And it hurts. 
You remember there in the book of Genesis, chapter 40, there was a, there was a butler, there was a baker and a butler that were in prison with Joseph. And they had a dream. They both had a dream. And Joseph was blessed of the Lord to interpret their dreams. And remember, the butler was going to be restored to his place of service. And Joseph said, think on me when it shall be well with you. You know, Joseph had done everything good for this man. Had done everything he could to help him. But verse 23 says, but the butler forgot about Joseph. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 14. The Bible said there was a, a little city. And few men within it. And there came against it a great king that besieged it and built bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it, in this little city, a poor wise man. man, And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. But the Bible said there was no, no man that remembered this poor man. They forgot about him. Don't you know that hurt just, just to be forgotten about? You know, the reason we forget... As human beings, as, you know, our, our mind is, is, is a leaking vessel. We have to have reminders to help us remember. If you recall the text there in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul would write, Therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That word slip there is like a, a ship that would gradually move away from you. Have you ever went to the lake fishing and maybe had a boat at the dock and you turned around to pick something from the dock and then stepped back to get in the boat and the boat had kind of drifted away and slipped away from the dock? I did that once and actually went off into the lake. I stepped to get in the boat and went into the, into the water because it gradually slipped away. That's teaching us something about our mind. It's like a leaking vessel. Have you ever heard someone say that person's a, he's a crackpot? Honestly, we're all crackpots. We've all got a crack in our pot, and it's gradually leaking out information. And if we don't have reminders, we will we'll forget. We forget. But I'll tell you, someone that's a real good friend is someone you can depend on that's not going to forget you. And could I say the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest friend of all. He's not going to to forget about you, dear brothers and sisters. Do you know in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15, we read about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it mentions a woman may forget her sucking child. She may forsake that one of her womb, but the Lord will not forget us. Why? Because he's graven us upon the palms of his hand. The Lord Jesus Christ is a friend like no other, that's not going to forget about you. He's not going to forsake you. The devil would like to whisper in your ears, the Lord is not thinking on you, but I'll assure you, dear brother and sister in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ will not forget one of his precious friends. He knows every hair that's upon your head. He knows every tear that's went down your cheek. Psalms 56 and verse 8. He knows every step that you've taken. In this crooked and vile world. And he cares about you. And he will not forget or forsake any of his children. Why? Because he is a friend like no other. The cheapest of 10,000 to our souls. Another qualification of a good friend would be one that will listen to me when I need to talk to him. You know, there's something that's missing. In conversations in the United States of America today. You know what's missing? A hearer. 
Lots of folks are talking, but not many are listening. Everyone wants to have a social media account to express their views, but they don't want to listen to someone else's ideas. What's missing in America today is a listener. You know, in order to have a quality debate, there's going to have to be a listener on both sides of the aisle. You know, there's a time in my life that I didn't consider this to be so important, and that might be the reason I didn't get many listeners. Now I understand I need to listen to that person if I expect him to listen to, to me, a listener. And I'm going to tell you, here in America today, there's something that's often said, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think people really mean it when they say it. Now, some folks mean it. Some folks really care. But this is just something that happens on a, in a common conversation, just a common passing of anyone. They say, how are you doing today? Have you often wondered, do they really want to know how you're doing today? Now, what if a person came up to me and said, how are you doing today? And I say, well, let me tell you about all the mishaps and tragedies I've had in my life. And I begin to take about 45 or 50 minutes. Don't you think they would say, hey, I didn't want all that. <laughs> hey, I, just, I just wanted to hear you say, that's all right. It's okay. That's the kind of response most, most people want. And by the way, one day I told someone this morning, I'm going to write a book one day on the mishaps and tragedies in the life of Elder Ronnie B. Loudermilk. <laughs> I know most of you know my mother's maiden name is, is Murphy. How many of you have heard of Murphy's Law? If it can go wrong, it, it will go wrong. Have you heard that? <laughs> Did you know I got, I got scheduled to get my first COVID vaccination? You know when they, they scheduled it? April Fool's Day. I'm going to be an April Fool's COVID vaccination. That could only happen, happen to me. Now, if someone come up to me when I'm here nervous, I'm, I'm already nervous about the shot because there's... A lot of folks in my family have had some, you know, adverse reactions from it. They ask me, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not doing so good. I'm an April Fool's COVID vaccine. I didn't ask for all that. Didn't, didn't want to know all that. But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is a good hearer. He's a good listener. You know, every time we're in need and we need someone to listen to our prayers, do you know his ears, according to Psalms chapter 34, is always open to our cries. Solomon said in the Proverbs that the Lord is far from the wicked, but he always hears the prayers, the cries of the righteous. God's ears are always open. He's always there to hear our cries. And you know, sometimes the devil would like for you to think, well, my prayers are just stopping at the ceiling. No, 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 ma'am, no, sir, they're not. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is there. He has an ear to hear. And you would think, well, I... You don't know what I've done in my life, Brother Ronnie. I've done some ungodly things. Surely the Lord didn't have time to listen to me. I remember a man named Jonah. And the Lord called on this man, Jonah, to go to Nineveh and preach to these people that they had repented. You know what Jonah wanted? Jonah wanted them to die is what he wanted. Jonah had no regard for that people. It would have been fine with him if the Lord would have destroyed him. And God said, no, you're going to go down there and preach. And Jonah went the opposite direction. And when Jonah went the opposite direction, he suffered the consequence of his action. And he ended up in a whale's belly. A great fish's belly. And it was in there. He saw the bars, the ribs of that whale. And the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 2, 
When Jonah had disobeyed God even to that degree, he said, Out of the belly of hell cried I unto thee, and thou heardest me. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if God heard Jonah out of the belly of hell, out of that great fish's belly, there where he could see the ribs, I promise you we've never descended, never brought ourselves down to a point when God's ears are not open to our cries when we cry unto him for help. The Bible said his arm is not short that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. God's ears are open. When you consider the miracles and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us in John chapter 21 and verse 25, if all that he did had been written, the world itself could not contain the books. There's not enough space in this world to contain the books of all the miracles and all that Jesus did when he walked on this earth in his three and a half year public ministry. The world couldn't contain it. But I'll tell you, there's one miracle that's often missed when we read through the Gospels and those that are recorded for us and for our learning, for our encouragement, for our help, and it's found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. The Gospel of Mark chapter 10, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. If you compare Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll understand he's between two Jerichos. There's an old Jericho and a new Jericho, and Jesus is on a path between those two. And he will eventually go from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And there he had come, of course, riding in upon the colt, the full of an ass. And people saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. When he was there between those two Jerichos and a great multitude is with him, there's a man on the side of the road. His name is, is blind Bartimaeus. When I think about blind Bartimaeus, I think about a, a poor man that didn't have anything. He's lost all that he had. He's sitting on the side of the road. He's on the wayside, which is the path that people would walk on. And he's probably holding something, just, you know, begging. What would you give me? What would you give me? And he heard the multitude coming. And when he heard the multitude coming, he asked, who is this? They said, this, this is Jesus, the son of David. He had heard about him and all that he'd done. So he began to cry out, oh, thou son of David, oh, thou son of David. He began to cry out and cry out for help and beg for help. And you know what the apostles, the disciples did? They went to him and tried to quiet him down. <laughs> My dad used to say they went to him and said, you need to calm down, Barney. He ain't got time for you today. Jesus is busy. And would you, would you agree with me that no person is busier than the Lord? Think about all that he was doing, what he would do on the cross. He's here in this world, and besides all that, you know he's holding the universe in its place while he's doing all that. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, by him all things consist, meaning this, he is the one, he is the power. Some people call it gravity. No, I call it the power of God. He is holding everything in its place. You know the reason the sun stays in its place? The power of God. You know the reason the moon stays in its place? The power of God. You know the reason the earth stays on its axis? The power of God. By him all things Consist, he is that power. So at the same time, he's doing all those miracles. He's actually holding the universe in its place. Praise God. He had a lot to do. He was busy. But the Bible says that he stood still. That's a miracle. The one that had more to do than anyone 
that ever walked on the earth stood still. Why did he stand still? Because one of his children was asking for help. See, that gives me hope. That gives me encouragement to know if Jesus would stand still for blind Bartimaeus, when I cry for him, he'll stand still for me. Turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 8. The book of Revelation chapter 8, one of the seals, one of the seals is loosed, and we get this revelation, this truth that's given to John that he would give to the seven churches of Asia, and of course it's recorded for us. You'll notice in verse 1, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets, and another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. All this is emblems. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Notice what it says in that verse 1 now. There was a silence in, in heaven. When this incense, which is the prayers of the saints, comes before God in his throne. Notice there was a silence in heaven. You know how I interpret that? Interpret that? I interpret that like this. When the children of God are crying for help, God says, would everyone just please get quiet? I'm listening to my children. I remember growing up, my daddy, he'd be sitting in his chair there in the living room watching TV. TV would be turned up loud. Mama doing something. One of the little kids, one of the grandkids could come to daddy. Daddy, he'd turn down the TV. Tell everybody to quiet down. I don't listen. See what, see what they need. You know the reason daddy did that? Because those little kids were important to my daddy. You know the reason there's a silence in heaven? Because you are important to God. And his ears are always open. A great friend is one that would listen. When I need him, Jesus told us a parable. There in Luke chapter 11, you remember after he gave us the model prayer and how we should pray? He said, which one of you would have a friend that would come to you at midnight and need something to set before him? And he would go to another's house and say, a friend has come unto me, and I have nothing to set before him. Lend me three loaves, and the one from within shall answer and say, I cannot rise and give thee my children in bed. He would keep on and keep on. And Jesus said, though he would not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. This is all about prayer. And this parable teaches us about a friend that needs to be fed, a friend to feed, the one that comes that's hungry. It makes reference to a friend in need. That's the one who would go to the, the one friend that had the supply, but it tells us about a friend indeed. And the friend indeed is the Lord Jesus Christ that hears our prayer cries. He hears when we call unto him for help. Praise God, his ear is, is always open. The third qualification, I think, for a good friend is, is one that loveth at all times. Have you ever had a fair-weather friend? One that just loves you when things are going good? That ever happened to you? You know, everybody loves a winner. Everybody wants to be around a winner. But 
that you'll start losing a lot of friends when you're not winning a lot, right? You know, Solomon told us there in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 6, you know, everybody loveth him that giveth gifts, right? Everyone is a friend to him that giveth gifts. You know, a person that has a lot to give everyone else, uh, he, he'll always have a lot of friends, but how many friends will he have when he has nothing else, nothing else to give? You know, I remember when David and I, my little brother and I were, were growing up, my daddy bought us a pool table. We had a pool table. We had it there in one of our rooms at the house. Of course, this is after Bobby and Donna moved out and were married. And I will tell you, we got that pool table. We had friends we didn't even know we had. I mean, every day at the house, we had a crowd coming to see us. Everybody wanted to play pool. Well, I will tell you, you give two lottery boys some sticks and put them in a competition with each other, it's probably not going to end well. <laughs> it was just a matter of time until one of us got cracked over the back with one sticks. And so we lost the pool table. And it was covered up. Mama covered it up. You know, of course, we had to spend some private time with Daddy and a lot of crying and screaming going on. But uh, we lost the pool table. You know what happened to our friends? Our friends just didn't want to come over and, you know, chase chickens in the yard. <laughs> our friends didn't want to come over and just go down and throw a hook in Daddy's pond see if we can catch a brim. No, they all were coming over to play pool. And David and I learned, you know, those were just fair-weather friends. They were just there to play some pool with us. You know, every man is a friend to him that, that giveth gifts, but a true friend is one that loveth at all times. He loves you when things is going good. He'll love you the same when things are not going good. He'll love you when things are right, but he'll also love you when things are wrong. He'll love you when you're enjoying the blessings of the Lord. He'll enjoy when he'll love you even when you've, you've yeah, you've disobeyed God. I had a man tell me once, he said, Brother Ronnie, even if I, I think you're wrong, he said, I'm your friend enough. He said, I'll, I'll stand with you. I just want to agree with you. And I thought, what a precious, precious friend that is, one that loveth at all times. You know, the Lord, the Lord is right. The Lord is perfect. The Lord is holy. The Lord loves his children. And I want to assure you, dear child of God, God loves you at all times. God loves you. When everything is right, God loves you the same. When everything is wrong, he still loves you, even though you don't find agreement with God. And you need to repent of your sin. God still loves you, and he is your friend. I remember a man named Lot in the Bible. Do you remember him? Lot in the Bible was a man that was a child of God. He was a born-again child of God. Lot is in heaven right now. His soul and spirit is there. One day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, Lot will be there, soul, body, and spirit. But if you read about Lot's life, Lot's life was a life that was given to the carnal sins of this world. When he parted for Abraham, he went the wrong direction. He went towards Sodom and Gomorrah, pitched his tent toward that direction, began to dwell with those people. It all started with him looking and desiring what they had. And I want to tell you, that man's life went down, 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 down and down and his life finally ended in a cave in an incestuous relationship with his own daughters i mean down 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 ungodly life but we go over into second peter chapter 2 we'll find that god called that man a righteous man and a just man why because of god's grace and i want to tell you the lord's love was the same for that man when he destroyed his life as it was before the foundation of the world when god loved him why because of god is a friend our lord jesus christ is a friend that loveth at all times Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we find a we find a boy here. 
And this boy is like most of us when we're teenagers. He thinks he knows it all. I've said this before about myself. When I was a teenager, my daddy told me, he said, he said, look here, son. He said, NASA would do real well to hire you. He said, you've got to be the smartest man I've ever met. And daddy, of course, was saying that sarcastically. I remember one time we were working there with Papa, and I was trying to give Papa some new ideas on how to do things there on the place. And I remember Daddy and Papa looking at me like, <clears throat> you know, just like they'd never done this before. And I remember, you know, Daddy, he looked at me, he said, look here, son. He said, I want you to look that way as far as you can look. He said, what is that? I said, that, that's yours. Yeah. He said, how about this way? He said, that's, that's yours. How about that way? It's yours that way. That's, that's still yours, Daddy. Then he said, you know, as long as that, 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 and that is mine, he said, how about just doing it my way? And he said, do more work than you are talking. But I thought, no, no, my ideas were better. And it seemed like the older I got, the more intelligent my dad got, the more ignorant I was. And it wasn't long. I was, I spent time with Dave trying to learn something from him. It's amazing how things change as we grow up, right? Things change when we grow up. You know, I thought about all that. I thought about the Lord. Not only is he one that... Not only is he one that loveth at all times and always hears me, but I'll tell you what, he's one that puts up with me. And I thought about that boy there in Luke chapter 15. And how that boy in Luke 15, he, I mean, he thought he had it all figured out. I mean, when I think about his dad, and I think about my dad, my daddy would did well if he just stopped putting up with me. But he put up with me. Why? Because he loved me. Luke 15, we had a boy. I mean, his daddy, wow, what patience. You know, some people read that in Luke 15. They think that young boy is the hero. i tell you the hero in that chapter is. It's the old man that stayed at home. Because what patience he had to put up with that young Boy, that young boy said, give me all that that belongs to me. I'll show you how to do it, Dad. I can run all this business better than you. So his daddy just took his part and said, here you are. Give it to him. He loved his boy. You know what his boy did? His boy took all that he had, went out into a far country, and he spent all that he had on riotous living. All that he had. Now, don't you know that old man knew that was going to happen? How many times does God bless us and bless us and bless us and we waste it on the things of this world? That boy ended up down there with another man of that country feeding swine. What an embarrassment to a person that was born a Jew who wasn't even by the law supposed to eat swine to be down there feeding swine and it was fain to have eaten the husk that the swine did eat. He brought himself into such poverty. I've said this many times, that boy, when he was down there, man, don't you know he stunk? Have you ever been around pigs? You spend some time around pigs, you're going to get the smell on you. I want to tell you, here in Union County, we've been having a lot of fertilizer that's been put on guards and stuff, and I've noticed when I go away from my house, I'm still smelling like things around my house, okay? You get around a lot of pigs. My family raised pigs. I see a lot of you smiling. Some of them turn your head. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, it, you get around a lot of pigs. I mean, it will stick to you. 
And that boy was down there in all that smell, all that slop, wasting all that he had, proved to himself and the whole world that he was an ignorant person. And here's his dad back at home, same old place, same old place. Well, that boy, the Bible says he came to himself. And he said, I will return to my father's house. And he will tell him, I'm no more worthy to be a servant in your house. And he returned to his father. And you know what his father said? Look here, boy. I knew you was going to mess up. I knew you was going to waste it all. Look here. You've already made all these mistakes. And you stink like hogs. Why do I want you back on my property and back in my house? Is that what his daddy said? No, that's not what his daddy said. His daddy embraced him. Hugged him. Clothed him, cleaned him up. You know why? It's teaching us about the Lord and repentance and how the Lord is a friend like no other that loves us at all times. He loves us when we clean ourselves up and try to do right, but he still loves us. He's our friend even when we get messed up with all the pigs of this world. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, we can waste a lot feeding the swine of this world. You know, there's a lot of God's children that could be in the house of God using what God gave them to praise the Lord that are out in the world feeding nothing but swine and wasting all that God... I know, I know people today, I know men today that I believe are called to preach the gospel but are out in the world giving themselves to the world and doing nothing but feeding swine when God has given them something that can be used in the kingdom of God. I know people that could be an encouragement to people in the house of God that are out wasting what God gave them just to the swine of this world. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, even when we're down in the swine or we're upright trying to serve God faithfully, God is a friend like no other. Jesus Christ loves you at all times. And I want to tell you, if you've been down in the world and you've been feeding the swine and you've got the stink of the swine on you, I promise you when you come back home to the Lord, the Lord will receive you with open arms. He will hug you and embrace you and praise God. Nobody is able to make us forget about the mistakes of our past life like the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I wasted a lot, though, Brother Ronnie. In the book of Joel, God tells us he's able to restore all that the palmer worm has eaten. How many of us have been given to the palmer worms of the world that's eating us up? God is able to help us forget. You know, somehow I feel when the boy came back and they got that celebration, it all went to the back of his mind. God helped him forget. His daddy helped him forget the messes that he made. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us at all times. Fourth qualification, I think, for a good friend is one that's willing to sacrifice for his friend. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 13, no greater love than a man would have than this. He laid down his life for his friends. What are these ones that he has, Zechariah 13? Ones that he got in the house of his friends. Has Jesus proved that he's willing to sacrifice for his friends? Yes, he did. And he made that sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. When we were his enemies by nature, he called us his friends. And he gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary. Made that sacrifice. Why? Because he is a friend like no other. One that will not forget you. One that will listen when you're in need. You want to cry to him. One that loves you at all times when you're up and you're down. And he's one that made a sacrifice in your room instead. But let me ask you, dear child of God. Jesus is a friend like no other. What kind of friend are you to him? 
That's a good question, is, is it not? You know, the Bible calls on us to do self-examination. Examine yourselves, Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 13. How about you? What do you? How do you feel about being the Lord's friend? Do you show yourself to be a good friend to him? You know, someone that's a friend to somebody, it's got to be somebody that would talk to another, right? Speak to them. I mean, if I said I was your friend, but you don't ever get to talk to me, would you say I was your friend? Well, Brother Ronnie, how do I talk to the Lord? I talk to the Lord through prayer. I pray. I pray to God. I speak to him. Someone says, does he hear? I believe you've already proven he hears. I talk to God. You know how he talks to us? He talks to us through his word, through the gospel. Do you talk to God? The Lord talks to me through my Bible. God talks to me through the gospel. The Lord talks to me in my meditation and thinking about him. Do you talk with him? In order for us to really think of ourselves as his friend, we'd need to talk to him. I'll tell you something else. If, if we're his friend, we at least need to go to his house and visit with him. What do you think? <laughs> i tell you what, old brother Ronnie, he's my friend, but I, I've never seen him in my house. I don't know where they're at. i tell you what a friend is. A friend is somebody to come to your house and mow your grass for you. How about that, brother Keith? Brother Keith's my friend. He came to my house and mowed my grass for me one time. Hey, anybody else wants to do that, it's good. <laughs> We're his friend, we should go to his house. What's the Lord's house? This is the Lord's house. This is his house. This is where his people meet. His people are his church. This building is one that's been built for us, the church, to meet in. We need to come to the Lord's house and visit with him, spend some time with him in his house. You know, I love coming to the house of God to spend time with that one that's a friend like no other. I had a man ask me once years ago, and it's something we should ask ourselves on a regular basis about the church. What would the church look like if every one of us took the same approach to the church as I do? Ask yourself that. What if everyone took the same approach to the house of God as you do yourself? What would the church look like? We should ask ourselves that every week. We should ask ourselves that on a regular basis. What would the church look like if everyone in the church took the same approach to church as, as I do? If we'll ask ourselves that, it may motivate us and encourage us to visit the house of God more often. I'll tell you something else. If we're going to consider ourselves to be a friend to the Lord, we'll have to show ourselves to be his friend. You know, Abraham was a man that was called the friend of God. You remember that in James chapter 2? You know, there's a text that's quoted there from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And James uses that text a little differently than Paul uses it in Romans 4 and also in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. Paul in Romans 4 and Galatians 3 and verse 6 uses that in a self-inventory. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I know tax time is coming up. When you get taxes done, they do some accounting, right? They consider what you pay. They consider what you made, and they come to a bottom line to know how much taxes you either owe or you're getting back. That's accounting. God blessed Abraham to do some accounting, some self-inventory, and he understand that his believing in God was an evidence that he was a righteous man and he had assurance that he was a born-again child of God. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is not the cause of you being his child. It's an evidence of you being his child. And if you will do some accounting, be blessed of God to do some accounting of your own life, you can come to a conclusion of assurance, I belong to the Lord. That's how Paul used that in Romans 4 and Galatians chapter 3. James does it a little different. 
James is not applying that to me doing inventory of myself, but others doing inventory of me. James is referencing those that saw Abraham. And the Bible said it was imputed to him for righteousness. The word imputed there is the same as account and reckon. Those words are interchangeable. Those that saw Abraham and the way he lived, they looked and they said, that man is a friend of God. Let me ask you, are you living in such a way if people saw you, they would do some accounting and say, I believe they are a friend of God. Those did that with Abraham. James goes right to Rahab the harlot. Well, what was the thing about Rahab the harlot? It was the scarlet line that was let out the window. What did that scarlet line do? That scarlet line was a sign, evidence to the people of Israel that it was Rahab and her family in that house. Let me ask you, is the scarlet line of grace hanging out the window of your house for others to see, to know that a child of God is living in this house so that I'd be called the friend of God? Yes, Jesus is a friend like no other. But would someone see the way I live and call me the friend of God? You know, the Bible says they were called first Christians in Antioch. They didn't call themselves that. Brothers and sisters, I'm not going to stand up before you and boast and tell you that I'm something great. I'm nothing. I'm a sinner that deserves hell. But if someone calls me the friend of God, I take that as a compliment. If someone called me a Christian, I would take it as, as a compliment because it means I'm living in such a way that I'd be identified as that. Brothers and sisters, I want to be a friend of the Lord because he's a friend to me. But in order for someone to see that I'm his friend, I'm going to have to live in such a way. You know, a good way for everyone to see that you're the Lord's friend, being a part of his church. And I believe I'm in a place now, I'm worshiping with the friends of God, those that walk close to him, those that talk to him, those that visit his house, those that live in such a way that they can be called his friend. And brothers and sisters, he is a friend like no other. May God richly bless us our prayer. If there's anyone here that would like to come forward and ask for a home here at Union Grove Primitive Baptist Church, please do so and stand and sing hymn number 444. Four, four, four.